Hey y'all, welcome to What a Crime to Be Alive. This is Pinky. And I'm Carly. And today we will be doing one of our bonus episodes. We haven't done one in a long time, but if you're a new listener or um, if you've been around for a while, this is just where we watch a popular documentary or docu-series and we don't necessarily like retell the story we just kind of go through it and share our thoughts and what we took from it um so for this one it is 2020 which is on abc season 44 episode 11 the fall of the house of murdaugh um this was the crime of the week for the las cruces bowling alley podcast and we briefly touched on it this family um, has been famous slash infamous for several years now. And uh, if you aren't familiar with the story, you can Google the name and tons of information will pop up or you can watch the 2020 episode. Uh, Going to let Carly start it off and we'll just kind of go back and forth. So the Murdoch family, um, I guess, tragedies if you will, take place in Hampton County, South Carolina. So we watched the um, 2020 episode on Hulu. Pinky and I both did. And we, so the the last name is spelled M-U-R-D-A-U-G-H. So we would think Murdoch, right? Well, everyone in that said Murdoch. So it's pronounced two different ways. Um, I'm going to do Murdoch because that's how it's spelled, but it may be Murdoch for sure. Um, Anyways, this family was very powerful um, for many decades. And the at least one family member of the Murdoch's was the district attorney in Hampton County at some point. Um, So at the time of the story, um, the Murdoch grandfather um, was retired, but the Murdoch father was a very prominent attorney in this small town. Um, pretty much everybody knew him. <clears throat> everybody knew his family. Um, they just came from a very, very powerful family. I just want to cut in real quick because this is how ridiculous this is. So three generations served as the solicitor, which most other places, the solicitor is known as the district attorney. So three different generations, but for 85 consecutive years, a member of the Murdoch family served as the solicitor or district attorney. And I'm not trying to get too far ahead, but Carly keeps saying they're powerful. And just to expand on that, if you are a district attorney, obviously you're going to have a working relationship with law enforcement. It is said that this family took it a step further. And they went fishing with the sheriff of this county. They drank bourbon with the sheriff of this county. And then they invited the sheriff of the other county to a barbecue. So it was a close-knit relationship that went outside of work. I guess you'd call it like a social or personal relationship. Right. And that sort of, I feel like, has to do with the small town vibe, Um everybody pretty much knew everybody there. Um, and so that's kind of, I think that's how it sort of started. Um, anyways, on February 23rd, 2019, Paul Murdaugh, who is 19, 
and five of his friends went on a boat. Um, the girl, it was three couples and the girls from um, the couples wanted to have a date night. Um, so they decided to go out on the boat. And this was, this was normal for people around that area. Um, a lot of people had boats. Um, there was a lot of places to take your boat. And so around 6.30 p.m., Paul and the rest of the crew loaded up onto the boat. <clears throat> it was Paul and his girlfriend, Morgan, um, Paul's friend, Anthony, and his girlfriend, Mallory, and then Anthony's cousin, Connor, and his girlfriend, Miley. Um, so all six of them were on this 17-foot boat that was owned by Paul's dad. Paul's dad let him drive it. Um, they stopped at an oyster roast for around five hours. And if you're not familiar with an oyster roast, it's sort of like a, um, if you've ever had like a, a what, what are those called that you like? Seafood you boil, like? shrimp boil. Yeah. Like it comes the, the with, you know, things. all kinds of seafood. Most of the time it's like, this one was oyster, but most of the time it's like crab and shrimp and then potatoes, corn, stuff like that. Right. So it's, it was just like a cookout, but for seafood, basically. Um, they were there for around five hours. Um, they were drinking and having fun. And then they decided to take the boat down to a place in Beaufort called Luther's. Um, this was a bar. Paul and Connor wanted to go take shots. They weren't done for the night. So they went in and did that. The others were kind of trailing behind on the boat dock, um, not really interested in taking shots. When Paul and Connor were walking back to the boat, to the boat video footage clearly showed that Paul was intoxicated. He was stumbling. He was not able to walk in a straight line. He was just like swaying back and forth. Let's rewind um, just a second because I want to talk about how complicit everybody in this family was. Paul got the alcohol by using his brother's ID, uh, Buster. We haven't talked about Buster yet, but Paul's 19, like Carly said, and he used Buster's ID to get, it looked like beer and White Claw and stuff from a local convenience store. And they're brothers, you know, there's resemblance, but there was also like zero pushback. And that, that was just the observation for me because Although they are brothers, they have the red hair, you know, same last name. I'm sure he had the birthday memorized and all that. Um, people also know the family. So they're not, they're not necessarily going to push back. They're going to give you whatever you want, whatever you need. And the same thing when they went to Luther's, these are, in my opinion, clearly minors, but they were served. Yeah. Um, like he was saying, I truly, like, in my opinion, I did not think that the siblings looked alike. I mean, they have red hair. They had way different body builds. They, I mean, Paul just looked really young. Um, and mm -hmm. Buster. So um, according to depositions taken later, Paul would often get so drunk that when he got drunk, his personality would change so much that his friends referred to his drunk alter ego as Timmy. Um, and at some point during the boat ride, Paul took off all of his clothes except for his boxers. And according to his friend's depositions, this was a normal thing for Paul when he was drunk. Trying to keep this on track and trying to keep it to the point where we're not recording for hours. But I think we've all had a friend like this, maybe, who once they had too much to drink, it's like a completely different person. 
and I know the power and the money goes along with it, but who would want to be around this person if they know that their behavior completely changes when they start drinking and Carly will get more into it in just a second. But if you know someone's going to act like this, why would you still want to hang with them? This isn't finger pointing or blaming or anything. It's just like hindsight is 2020. He's not uh, a good friend. I agree. So at this point, Paul began to drive, but he doesn't drive anywhere in particular. Miley's interview with the police stated that they were just out in open water and Paul was driving in circles. Um, Morgan got mad at Paul and told him to stop and take everyone back home. Although Paul was very intoxicated, he would not allow anyone else to drive the boat because it was, quote, his. The rest of the friends were begging Paul to let Connor drive because Paul kept swerving in the boat and driving really close to parked sailboats. No one was comfortable with him driving. At one point, Mallory asked to be let off the boat, even though there was no place for her to really go, but Paul said no. Paul would leave the steering wheel unattended and go to the front of the boat where he would yell at his girlfriend, calling her a whore and a bitch. Everyone was complaining that they wanted to go home, so Paul was basically like, fine, we'll go home, and floored the boat. Technology from the boat reported that the boat was traveling around 35 miles per hour. And if you, they showed several maps on the 2020 episode, and you could tell how narrow this um, body of water was. 35 miles per hour was flying. for Narrow this. and like windy and curvy too. Yeah. So that was 35 miles per hour was just reckless for this body of water. In her interview, Miley said that she saw a bridge coming and yelled, but it was too late. The boat hit the bridge and threw Anthony and Mallory into the water, and Mallory wasn't anywhere to be found. Morgan's hand was bleeding. Connor's jaw was cut and broken from hitting his head on the boat's console. Paul got thrown into the water and was still only in his boxers when police arrived, and Anthony's shoulder was injured. Connor called 911 around 2.20 a.m. Beaufort County Sheriff's Department, Port Royal Police Department, Paris Island Police, EMS, everyone showed up to look for Mallory. The Department of Wildlife was also there because they had jurisdiction, but everyone was helping out. The dash cam footage showed a very angry Anthony Cook yelling at Paul Murdaugh, saying things like, that SOB killed my girlfriend. I hope you rot in hell, etc. And Anthony told police that Paul will never go to jail for this because of who he is and who his dad is. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I could totally be making this up because I had to watch this a couple of different times. Um, the first time I watched it, I fell asleep because it was late at night. Whenever he was talking to his girlfriend, what was her name? Maggie? Megan? um Morgan was Paul's girlfriend <laughs> I'm terrible Morgan um did they say that he touched her yes yeah was it a um, smack or was it spit yeah so I'm not sure about that um I when they were discussing how his behavior on the boat I didn't hear mention of him hitting her in any way um but then when the police showed up and people started talking um it was it came out that Paul had hit 
um, Morgan. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Um, and they even asked on the 2020, they asked the uncles, um, Paul's uncles, if that was um, normal behavior for Paul. And they said, no, that um, they had never witnessed him hit anyone, hit his girlfriend um, or anyone in general, but that they're not saying that he didn't do it that night. According to the depositions from three law enforcement officers, they had connections with Alex Murdoch, Paul's dad. One of them played golf in a golf tournament with Alex. One of them had a wife who worked at Alex's law firm for a period of time. And the other officer's mom was represented by Alex Murdoch in a personal injury case. Paul asked an officer to use their phone to call his dad and the officer said he didn't have his phone on him, but he saw that Paul dropped his phone back in the grass and he could use that. They didn't take his phone in as evidence. They didn't take his clothes. They didn't take his wallet. Everyone that was on the boat was taken to the hospital to be checked out. Police officers followed to ask questions. And when they were asking Paul questions, Paul's dad and grandfather walked in and said Paul would not be answering any more questions that they were his attorneys. After this, Paul went from room to room telling everyone that was on the boat not to talk to investigators. Medical personnel were concerned about Paul's movements in the rooms. Two hours after the boat crash, Paul's blood was drawn and he was four times over the legal limit for driving. Then the investigation began to take a turn Connor was being focused on by investigators instead of Paul. After Paul was finished being evaluated at the hospital, his, he was released to go home, not to jail. They searched for Valerie for an entire week. Her parents were there looking every single day, all day long. Volunteers were helping. Pretty much anyone who had a boat was in the water. On March 3rd, 2019, Mallory's body was found by two volunteers around five miles away from the crash site. Her parents arrived and saw the coroner there. Paul was still not charged. Mallory's parents filed a civil suit against the convenience store for selling Paul the alcohol. Paul's brother Buster for giving Paul his ID to use to purchase the alcohol. And Paul's dad Alex for interfering with the investigation into Paul. The family denied that Paul was driving that night. On April 18th, Mallory's birthday, Paul was charged with three counts of boating under the influence. These were felony counts, and if he was convicted, he would face up to 25 years in prison. But instead of being arrested, Paul's attorney arranged for him to go to court and be arraigned there on that day, where he would then postpone and go back to his house with his family. For two years, Paul was able to travel and go to school and do things daily that he would normally do with no court date set. But on June 7th, 2021, Alex Myrtle called 911 and said his wife Maggie and his son Paul had been shot to death on their property. Alex called his brothers and told them to hurry and get there. South Carolina law enforcement officers took over the investigation. Buster was called to come home because he didn't live in the area. There were only a few things that investigators knew at at the beginning and one was that there were two guns used. One was a semi-automatic gun and the other was a rifle. The coroner was able to report that the killings happened between 9 and 9.30 p.m. that night 
just about 45 minutes before Alex called 911. We have um, Alex's 911 call, so we'll put in a small clip of it here just so you can, you know, hear um, his description of what was happening and his tone of voice and all that. So you guys can be the judge of that. Okay. County Communications. I have an Alex Murdoch on the line, caller from 4147 Moselle Road. He's advising that his wife and child was shot. Okay, and sir, give me the address again. It's 4147 Moselle Road. I've been up to it now. It's bad. Okay. Okay, and are they breathing? No, ma'am. Okay, and you said it's your wife and your son? My wife and my son. Are they in a vehicle? No, ma'am. They're on the ground out at my kennel. Okay. And did you see anyone? Okay. Is he breathing at all? No. No. Is she? Okay. Do you see anything? Do you see anyone in the area? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. What color is your house on the outside? What color is your house on the outside? Uh, it's white. You can't see it from the road. Okay. Is it a house or a mobile home? It's a house. Okay. And what is your name? My name is Alex Murdoch. Okay. And did you hear anything or did you come home and find them? No, I've been gone. I, I just came back. Okay, and was anyone else supposed to be at your house? No, ma'am. Please hurry. We're getting somebody out there to you. So initially we have the death of Mallory and then Maggie and Paul. Two weeks after the murders of Maggie and Paul, a report of an older murder resurfaces due to some information that was gathered while um, Maggie and Paul's deaths were being investigated. So in 2015, 19-year-old Stephen Smith was found death in death. <laughs> in 2015, 19-year-old Stephen Smith was found dead in the middle of the road. Where he was found, there was no tire marks, skid marks, um, any parts of a car that may have hit him, no debris, no shards of glass, nothing like that. It was just an empty road and Stephen's dead body. His car was found a few miles away and there was no gas in it. An important thing to note is that Stephen was openly gay. And this is important because like we've already mentioned several times, this was a very small Southern town. And when you're watching the episode, his family describes Stephen as um, kind, bright, um, joyous. They said that he could, you know, act if, if he could cry, you know, at the drop of a, drop of a dime, um, that he wanted his hair perfect at all times. He wanted his makeup perfect at all times. So he didn't hide himself. He was 
perfectly fine with the way he was. And so was his family. I think his mom said something about God made him the way he was and God didn't make mistakes. So he was fine with it. Um, that's what Stephen would say about himself. So yes, he lived in a small town, which we can assume was kind of small-minded as well, but he was not, you know, he didn't live in fear or anything like that. Anyway, so first responders initially thought Stephen suffered from a gunshot wound and it was considered a homicide, but then they suspected a hit and run, even though, like I said, there was nothing in the crime scene area. Um, his clothes weren't torn. He still had a cell phone in his pocket. His shoes were still on his feet. And um, I can't remember if it was an investigator or just uh, one of the investigative journalists said that the impact of the car hitting his body would have knocked his shoes off. And it seemed like Highway Patrol agreed that, you know, this was not necessarily their jurisdiction because they didn't believe that this was an actual hit and run. Then the next theory that came about was Stephen was walking in the middle of a road and a semi passed him and the mirror struck his head. His mom said, no, she knows her son. He was only six miles from home. If he was out of gas or if he needed help, his cell phone was on him, he would have called. So nobody was really buying that either. Sandy, who is Stephen's mother, said the word around town and what people kept telling her is that the Murdoch boys were responsible. And at this time, she really didn't know who the Murdoch boys were. I'm sure she knew of like the lawyers or whatever, um, but not necessarily like the sons. <clears throat> so at this time in different newspaper articles, the language of hate crime started to pop up when they were discussing Stephen. Um, in addition to hate crime being used, when police started conducting interviews, the Murdoch name just kept being mentioned. To take it a step further, Randy Murdoch, who was a participant in the show, he was Alex's, well, he is Alex's brother and another brother. Um, they were interviewed throughout the whole show. And pause for a second. Did you think that they truly, without revealing anything, because I'm getting ahead, do you think they truly weren't aware of everything that was going on or were they trying to hide, hide it? Because to me, it seemed like some of the times when they were talking, they seemed genuine. And then other times it seemed like they were playing dumb. Uh, yeah, I think for the most part, they were playing dumb, to be honest with you. Okay, so we'll get more into that in just a second. But like I said, Alex's brother, Randy, he was a lawyer as well. He called Stephen's family immediately after they heard from the coroner. So the second person to call them after they hear about Stephen's death was Randy Murdaugh. And he was calling to offer his apologies and to offer free representation. Both of Stephen's parents were like, uh, what? Because they were just initially suspicious and iffy because why would you, the timing of the phone call was crazy. Like, like we said, the, the Murdoch family was connected to everyone in law enforcement, but also, you know, medical examiners, coroners, things like that. They probably played golf together immediately 
after they hung up, their phone rings and it's a lawyer they've never met that they didn't think their son even knew, just offering pro bono representation. Um, but come to find out, Stephen and Buster Murdaugh, who is Paul's brother and, you know, the one that was responsible for the ID, they were actually classmates. Um, but authorities couldn't distinguish if the rumors about Buster's involvement involvement were just people repeating, you know, what they had overheard or if they had like legitimate reasoning or evidence to support the claim that Buster was actually involved. And like I just said, Randy was super cooperative throughout the whole episode. But when they started to ask him about why he reached out to the family for representation, he decided that he wasn't going to comment anymore. And the rest of the Murdoch family decided, you know, they were declining to further comment on anything else. So all in all, Buster nor any member of the Murdoch family was ever charged in connection to Stephen's death. So it doesn't end there. Um, another murder pops up. Gloria Satterfield worked for the Murdoch family for years before she tripped and fell and died. Allegedly, the dogs knocked her over, causing her to hit her head on brick steps. We don't have the clip of this 911 call, but you could hear on the 911 call in 2020 that Maggie Murdoch called and Paul was in the background saying that, um, I can't remember what they referred to, or maybe housekeeper. Our housekeeper fell. Um, she cracked her, her head open. There's blood everywhere. And then you can hear Paul in the background basically saying the same thing. There's blood everywhere. She hit her head. Um, you were calling for 911. <clears throat> but she was described by her family as, you know, a hardworking, friendly person, and that Paul actually looked at her as a mother. Whenever he was a baby, he would call Gloria Gogo, and um, she would call him Paul Paul, I think. So they had a pretty close relationship since. So she went to the hospital. She was essentially in a coma for three weeks, and then she passed. So Alex Murdoch also had an insurance company, which I don't see how that's not a conflict of interest, but I'm not a lawyer. Um, he also had an insurance company and he went to Gloria's family and said, look, I'm going to set you up with this, this policy or whatever. Um, my company is going to agree to pay you $500,000. $500, Sue me, you'll get $505,000. Gloria's family, you know, trusted him. At this point, they had no reason not to. So that's where they leave the Gloria segment. And the next thing is there is no news about Paul and Maggie's investigation for three months. But in September of 2021, Alex Murdoch calls 911 claiming he pulled over to fix a flat. Someone stopped to help him and ended up shooting him. Now, this is what we did as our crime of the week. We did this as our crime of the week because we saw that there was so much attached to it once we started reading, but we didn't know the depth of it like we do now. Um, <laughs> so at this point, when this news starts spreading, everyone in the town assumed that the Murdaws were under attack. They were being targeted for something. And whoever shot Alex was trying to finish the job by, you know, taking him out. But SLED which is the South Carolina Enforcement Division, 
their first press release revealed that Alex's headshot wound was superficial. So doubt was immediately cast. Um, Next thing you know, Alex's PR team responded saying he was resigning from his law firm and checking into rehab for opioid use. Now, this is the first time we hear anything about opioids. Very convenient timing. Then his law firm released a statement accusing Alex of misappropriating funds just one day before his alleged shooting and that he had been doing that for years. Now, Randy wanted to comment again about his brother. <laughs> well, no, really, this was this was in real time. So whenever the PR firm came out and made a statement and the law firm came out and made a statement, Randy had to make a statement, too. He's like, while I support my brother in his recovery from his addiction, whatever, um, I don't support his actions with, you know, stealing money and jeopardizing relationships and this, that and the third. So to me, that's just you're trying to get good PR for yourself. That's, that's not genuine, but that's just my opinion. Uh, and then breaking news revealed that Curtis Smith, a suspect in the shooting, had been apprehended and he was charged with insurance fraud and assisted suicide, among other things. Alex Murdaugh admitted he hired Curtis to murder him so Buster could collect a $10 million life insurance policy. It was all for Buster, baby. I'm about to get to Buster in a second. And then Alex himself was charged with insurance fraud, conspiracy to commit insurance fraud, and filing a false police report, which are all felonies. Doesn't stop there. He gets charged with all that. And then finally, rightfully, a criminal investigation is open for the death of Gloria Satterfield and the handling of her estate. Gloria's son said they never got a dime from the wrongful death suit. And now people started to suspect that Alex was involved in the murder of his wife and son as well. His whole defense strategy was to blame all of these actions on his alleged opioid addiction. So, like I said, the first time we hear about him being addicted to opioids is really convenient because now he's saying, hey, I'm on drugs. Just send me to rehab. Like, don't don't make me go to prison. Just send me to rehab. I'm on the dope. But Curtis, the hitman, his account um, was different from Alex's version of events. Curtis said he showed up to meet Alex and Alex had a gun. So he had to wrestle Alex for the gun and the gun went off, which caused the superficial gun wound on Alex's head. Curtis is just really butthurt that he was not a good hitman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And to just wrap it up, a bunch of lawsuits popped up, both criminal and civil after all this news broke. Um, Gloria's sons were owed 2.7 million, but never got a cent because Alex stole the money. Uh, eventually Alex was indicted on 50 more charges, including taking funds from the Satterfield boys. Um, he apologized to the Satterfields and alleged that he was going to pay them back around 4.2 million. And, um, there's a little bit more discussion about if Alex, gets convicted of just a handful of these charges. He's never going to be a free man again. Um, And the consensus was that 
he was never going to be a free man again because he was going to at least catch one or two, if not all of these charges, um, convictions, I should say. So this was an hour and 24 minutes, an hour and 20 minutes. Uh, like I said, ABC 2020, you can find it on Hulu now. But for it to be just an hour and 20 minutes, I think they did a good job of summarizing everything because realistically, this could probably be like a four-part series or something because there's just so oh, yeah. much you could go into. For sure. I had to pause like every five seconds to write something down because that's how much information was in there. Yeah. Like I said, I had to, I had to read like the first time I watched, I fell asleep. So I started it again where I fell asleep. And then fell asleep, well, not fell asleep again. I think I had to work or whatever the next day. So I started it again. And then today I just kind of went along while I was checking my notes and adding more stuff. And yeah, um, I also watched an interview with Eva Pilgrim, who was the reporter from South Carolina who ABC worked with for this episode. And she was just saying that, oh, and and the the host of the Murdoch Murders podcast, it was them two talking to each other. And they were just saying that how a lot of times it was hard for them to just get through one piece because there's so many different pieces. And essentially it's like, you know how in TV and shows and stuff, when they're trying to figure out a crime, they have like a big whiteboard or billboard and they have different stuff pinned up. And they said it was like that, that just for them to try to get through one piece at a time was crazy. And, um, but they, they've been able to do it. Uh, we should have asked Jennifer yeah. and Mike if they had heard of this. I know that's what I was saying. Um, also I forgot to say that, um, when you brought that up about the, the girl who did the Murdoch family podcast, um, you should definitely listen to that. I felt like she was, she knew a lot. Um, when she was being interviewed for the 2020, um, she was very good with details. Um, so I think that would be a good resource if you're interested in this. Yeah. And speaking of that, I think there might be two podcasts because the lady on 2020 and the lady I saw talking to Eva in a video yesterday were two different people. And okay, gotcha. also I'm part of all those podcast groups on Instagram and I saw people complaining about the Murdoch people uh, not the Murdoch people the podcast people saying they complained too much and it was hard to listen to and then I saw other ones saying it was so good and thorough so I think there's two different podcasts and people are getting them confused um trying to think oh before we go Buster Buster didn't give a damn about nobody <laughs> When his dad was on trial, he was photographed in Vegas gambling. And every time something happened, they had to call Buster's ass to come back. Like, come home, dude. Like, <laughs> do you not care? Just Everybody stay home at this point. <laughs> Everybody in your family's getting murdered or arrested, and you're just out here partying in Vegas and not giving a damn. So, yeah. Yeah. Buster's my type of people. <laughs> I don't like Buster. I feel like he should be going down too. Um, there was one thing that I forgot to touch on while you were talking about it. Um, the kid that was uh, found dead in the middle of the road, um, when the 2020 episode played the 911 call from that, it was some random person that just drove up on it. Um, and the person that drove up on it didn't stay. They just 
drove around the body and left. Yeah. And it was pitch black outside. I was like, great. Yeah. Hey, maybe he thought he was next. So he was getting up out of there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I thought that this was a pretty good episode. Um, like we talked about, there was a lot of information in it. Um, it was easy to follow, I thought. <clears throat> um, and for the most part, I thought it was very interesting. Um, and I know that we've had some people talk about how they're interested in this case um, and they've watched um, videos on it or they've listened to podcasts about it or whatever. Um, but if you haven't listened to the 2020 episode, you definitely should. Again, we found it on Hulu. It was um, the ABC 2020, um, ep- what was it? It was season 44, episode 11. Yeah, if you just search for ABC 2020, it should pop up like under the first row because it's one of the like last four episodes. But yeah, it's season 44, episode 11. So and and it should be on ABC's website, too, but everybody has Hulu now, so you can just stream it there. You got anything you want to add? Okay, we are out of here. If y'all got snow and ice and all that, be safe. Stay warm. Holla, baby. Flamingo.